This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Episode Q26 coming to you live from the Peter Praisler Studios in Southern California. Dennis Bernstein along with, well, I, I'm John Holvin. You're Dennis Bernstein. DB, what's happening? Peter Praisler? Please explain. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Now, there's a connection here. There's a theme, DB, as there always is, trying to connect all the dots here, okay? So, uh, Peter Praisler was a fifth-round draft pick of the LA Kings back at the 1985, long time ago, DB, the 1985 NHL draft. He was a defenseman. He played 43 games for the LA Kings over three seasons. That was a terrible draft for LA, though. Um, Think about this, DB. He played 43 NHL games, and he played the most NHL games for the Kings out of that draft class. Not a good draft class, Uh, especially considering that he was taken in the fifth round. So that means that they didn't have a lot of success with their first round, second round, third round uh, picks, and so on. Good old Petey, he debuted in the 87-88 season. Um, he played the most games also that season. Uh, most of the, Excuse me, uh, he played most of his games in the American League while he was over here. Um, another interesting note, he's one of the rare players who played in New Haven and then also played in Phoenix when the Kings moved their top minor league affiliate over to the Roadrunners who were in the IHL at the time. So it's kind of like you think about the Manchester Monarchs and when they moved to the Ontario Reign, that there will be a few players, there were, I should say, a few players who played in, in, in both cities, which is kind of interesting. Um, and uh, Praisler also played for the World Juniors at the Ch- in the Czech Republic or for the Team Czech Republic back in 1985. There was another player on that team you might have heard of, DB, only one other player probably, and that was a goaltender, Dominic Hasek, you might remember him. 
Yeah, I might remember him. Maybe, yeah. right? Um, but he's the re- guy, yeah. <laughs> you think so? Uh, but the reason for Praisler uh, really was because he's a fifth-round pick, and on the show today, we have a few European uh, prospects, kind of a European theme today, and these guys were mid- to late-round picks. Uh, in 2018, the Kings' fifth-rounder was a goaltender, David Rennick. He's going to be joining us in the third period. He also played for the World Juniors. He also played at the USHL. And then uh, the 2019 seventh-rounder, which is forward Andre Lee, he's uh, very well-traveled. We'll talk to him coming up in the second period. Now, fans, I do just want to let you know that uh, Byfield and Turcotte, guys like that, they're the sexy picks. But I think you guys are going to enjoy the stories um, that these guys will bring to the table. Two of the really more interesting L.A. Kings prospects with some good backstories. Uh, and so hopefully we'll be able to get that uh, those guys to shine a little bit in the, the second and third period. Um, and the other thing, DB, is both of these guys, really, they took the long route. I mean, they went from USHL. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to college. Right. They're really allowing time for them to develop as prospects. Uh, And not that we necessarily need to say this to uh, Andre Lee during the second period, but one scout told me, this was uh, probably my favorite quote on Andre Lee as I was doing some background. They're like, he was an acquired taste. Uh, which is, I guess, a polite way of saying something. Um, they, they mentioned the fact that his skating was a little bit awkward, but yet that he played really fast. And uh, the thing about him is just, you know, being so tall and being so big, um, you notice him right away when he's on the ice. Uh, and as you often hear about young players that are that big, they're sort of growing into their body and they have to become coordinated. And people that follow me on Twitter, of course, DB, will know that I was really impressed with this kid. I'm talking about Andre Lee. Um, he had such nice, soft hands in tight when he was at development camp. Um, it was just really apparent right away. And uh, Rinnick could potentially be a sleeper in the goalie pool. You know, goalies typically develop at a slower pace. And so um, he's somebody that could continue on that long path. You might see him eventually turn pro if he earns a contract with the Kings. He could even start in the ECHL next season, not this coming season, but the season after. I mean, it could continue to be a long road for Rinnick, but it'll be a, a story to follow. But DB, um, before we get into some Kings news and notes here in the first period, I do want to take a quick moment and remind everybody that if you like the show, please be sure to check out Manscaped. They support us, you support them, and then you get more Kings of the podcast. So it's really easy. Uh, Kings fans, you know, you should note, hockey is almost back. You want to be ready. It's time to throw on your favorite jersey. Make sure that you don't take a hit below the waist. Our partners at Manscaped are here to save your boys from taking on a Victor Hedman slap shot so you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. See, we have some new copy to read here, DB. So this is, this is a fresh take. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is not the, same old, not the same old messaging. Um, so just a, quick, a few quick things here to remember, people. Uh, Manscaped, they spent 18 months redesigning the electric trimmer to deliver what they believe is the greatest trimmer yet, the Lawnmower 3.0. It's simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man as it features the ceramic blade and skin-safe technology that they have uh, developed and perfected. It's also waterproof, cordless. Uh, The kit comes with the crop preserver and the crop reviver. That's some custom deodorant and toner that your special somebody will certainly appreciate. And uh, for the rest of the month, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code, everybody should know this code by now, with the code KOTP2020 at manscaped.com. You can take advantage of this limited time offer for Manscaped's all-star lineup. Try it for yourself. DB and I did. We loved it. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code KOTP2020 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code KOTP2020. And uh, during this brief off-season that we're going to experience here, upgrade your blue line. Choose Manscaped for your most important male grooming needs. All right, back to the ice. Uh, well, sort of. Actually, back to the world of sports. Uh, DB, before we start today, you and I were having an offline conversation the other day, and I said, hey, 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 save that 
Let's use it on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was about, I mean, you've had some success. All of a sudden, you're a, ho a horse owner. Your horse is out there winning the Kentucky Derby and winning all sorts of races. And yeah. just tell, tell everybody, because I think it's a pretty interesting story about how you came to be a, an owner of horses and uh, what this whole thing is about. Yeah, the DB stable. Um, <laughs> okay, John, so it's very, very innocuous. This was during the time, I'd say, from let's say the middle of March till the middle of May when there was absolutely no sports on TV, right? Can't watch the news because the news is depressing every day. And, and so, you know, we would watch Seinfeld episode, me and PJ before we go to sleep, but I, I had, uh, I, I'd go to the, the only sport that was going on was horse racing, right? So we, every night around 11 o'clock, we went horse racing from, from Sweden or Japan or, or Australia. And so, we went a couple of nights. I think the third night we're watching, and I turned. I now, turned DB, wait I a said, minute. You didn't tell me this part of the yeah. story. You're going deep. Like, you're watching horse racing from Japan. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah, at 11 o'clock, I don't want to watch the news. We watched every Seinfeld episode in the world, so there wasn't much more to watch at 11 o'clock at night, except TVG, the, the horse racing channel on DirecTV. Right. They're broadcasting live races from, you know, from overseas. So I'm like, okay, let's watch this. So, like, the third night, I turned to PJ and I say, you know, if you go to Ohio or Michigan, like you could probably buy a horse for about thirty-five hundred bucks, four grand. Now there's expenses around and stuff like that. She goes, thirty-five hundred bucks. What does the horse have three legs? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's a legit horse, like a trotter or something, right? So she comes home the next day, like from work, and she says to me, walks to me, she says, it costs sixty-five thousand dollars to buy a horse. I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so right? she had so, looked into it. She had done some research. Oh, yeah, she did some research. I'm like, 65 grand? No way. So every day I'm in my man cave. I'm watching no sports. I'm watching TVG because there's racing on all the time. And I see this thing. My, one of the horses is owned by my racehorse. I'm like, what is this? This is the, the, the company, the syndicates come together, bought some interest in horses, and you could buy a micro share of the horse. So I had two. So, so the next day I come home. Uh, she comes home. I say, I want to show you something. It's the third day of the same conversation. This is the I told I you so laptop. part of the conversation, right? Exactly. There you go, John. Exactly. <laughs> so I hit my laptop. I open it up. I go, we now own the p a piece of four horses. And it's called the Philly Four. So they, they, they put together a, a purchase of four different two-year-old fillies. And one of them, a couple of them are on. One haven't, one's been injured. One hasn't run yet. So now we own four horses. So um, And so it was, she goes, how much did it cost? I told them. It's, it's, it's. It's minimal. It's a minimal investment. If you've watched the Derby or you watched the Breeders' Club Classic, you know the story. There's 5,300 owners of Authentic. So, so we bought these horses. I bought a couple other ones. And then one day I, I wake up and I'm like, I go to the app because we all have apps. And, and they say you can buy a share of Authentic. I'm like, wait a minute. Authentic? That's like a legit horse. Like, I know the name. Right? So I, I bought two shares. And now I'm a, and it was an owner. And when he won the Derby, I was in quarantine. And I was on our show we were doing um um we're doing our serious xm show so i said like at the end of the show I'm like by the way my horse is running in the kentucky derby he'd already run a stakes race and won in new jersey i think he wanted about a couple of dollars on authentic he's at probably seven or eight to one so the horse is going off and i'm sitting in quarantine in my hotel room and the horse and he he's a fast horse so he jumps out to the lead i'm like, oh, it's a quarter ball halfway through the race i'm like oh crap this horse can win. <laughs> And so I'm like, and then he comes down the stretch. He's winning. I'm like, I'm standing up, like screaming. And he crosses the finish line and wins the derby. My John, my phone blows up. People on Twitter are like, thanks for the tip, DB. I won money on your horse. And, and it was just amazing. And then he went on to win the, uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic 
um, last Saturday. It's a $6 million race, and now he's going to stud. And John, his stud fees are $75,000. Well, Every time he walks into the stud shoot, um, the, the syndicate gets paid 75 grand. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, mine's a hundred k for stud fee, but I mean, okay, it's yeah, fine. Seventy five. It's, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. I'm there exactly. But that's um, you know, it, it's something that's kind of it's kind of reinvigorated. Like you know, if you're an average Joe, you could actually buy into this. And I have other ones. I had another one called Storm Shooter, who won by five lengths at Belmont last week. He's running in a hundred thousand dollars stake race on Saturday. So it, it's and it's great because they sent me the great thing is John. They sent me um, the the winner circle photo. Of authentic at the Kentucky Derby, and it says Spencer Farms, my racehorse, and Dennis Bernstein, owner. It's just so right? crazy. So, <laughs> Tell about the ring. Those guys are brilliant. Yeah, and the, oh, ring. Yeah, the ring. Exactly. So, and I get an email about a couple of weeks ago, and it says because you're an owner of authentic, you can buy a Kentucky Derby owner's ring. Stop right? it. And it's like gold with some diamonds, sixty-five hundred bucks. So I like message like it has to be a pinky ring it. though. It had to be exactly. <laughs> yeah, where is the biggie ring? So, so PG goes, you know, eh, well, if you want one, I'll get you one. So I mentioned Dave Panyota. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about. He goes, if, in the days in Toronto, he goes, if you buy that ring, I'm going to come to LA and whip your ass. So I'm, I'm going to hold you down while he does it because yes, you're not, exactly, you're, you're not buying the pinky ring, Kentucky Derby winner. <laughs> you could come off the top rope exactly. So, but it's been. An amazing journey. It's been great. It's been emotional. And it's, you know, John, it, like, I, I don't share in, in the numbers that the, the main owners share in. Sure. The thrill of having a horse win a race. Sure. Like I've got, you know, pictures on my wall and everything. It's, I've actually got a, a, a recreation of the blanket he ran at the Kentucky Derby. We framed that part of the house. So it's been a, a, um, a fantastic thing. And I advocate if people have some interest in, in horse racing, it's a great way to get in and become corner corner owner. If there's no COVID, John, I could actually go to, um, to Santa Anita or Delmore, and they would arrange a visit with the horse and the paddock and stuff like that. So it's been, uh, it's been amazing. It's been just an unexpected spot because, you know, because one night I turned on TVG and that's now what here is is where we stand. Well, I uh, I actually enjoy going to Santa Anita. I also like going to Del Mar. Those are two just beautiful tracks. And uh, maybe beautiful. after COVID, we'll call up Horse Face Dave Joseph, and uh, maybe we can all go out and watch some ponies. <laughs> Oh, we have to. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. But it's, it's been a great ride. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been something that really one of the positive things of 2020, to be totally frank. I'm all for positive stories. I love it, DB. That was great. Thanks for sharing it with everybody. Uh, let's, let's turn it back to hockey because we do have a couple of guests standing by for the second and third period. Just a couple of quick updates for everybody. We had mentioned a couple of shows ago that Team USA could possibly be moving up their World Junior Camp and doing it in November, even before Thanksgiving. Interestingly enough, Team Canada did end up doing that, uh, but the tip that I had didn't end up paying off for USA Hockey because they were in, uh, from what I understand, they were in close contact with a lot of the, the uh, college conferences that did end up coming back and are, and are going to be starting. So they didn't want to uh, run into a situation where they were impacting a lot of the U.S. Uh, universities. So uh, from what I understand, Team USA is going to hold their camp probably starting around December 6th through the 10th, somewhere in there. Uh, it'll be a short camp before they go up into Edmonton and get in the bubble. They're going to have some exhibition games up there as well. And I was tweeting about this the other day. Um, I, in talking with a couple of people recently, I've been hearing some whispers that the NHL Network is likely going to televise the exhibition games, which for me is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, oh, <laughs> NHL Network has been showing the, the the regular World Junior Games now for several years, but the exhibition games you typically had to pick up on a stream or something like that if you weren't at the actual World Juniors. So um, with 
you know, the network looking for programming at this time of the year with the NHL shut down, if they can pick up those exhibition games, the official IIHF exhibition games call for each of the 10 teams at the World Juniors to play two exhibition games. And Team USA is scheduled to play Switzerland and then also scheduled to play Finland. So you could get a little Kings on Kings crime in the U.S. versus Finland games. I'll be tweeting about that. Everybody knows uh, as we get closer. But a couple of other... uh, Uh, hockey returns type notes here. College hockey is returning. Um, We'll be talking with our guest about that today as well. But uh, you have Lowell. You you also have St. Cloud. Uh, They're going to be on TV. Um, So be on the lookout for that. I'll tweet some stuff about that. College hockey is really getting going here in about another week, 10 days. One team that isn't going to be playing, uh, actually several teams in the Ivy League DB, um, the Ivy League has uh, decided to shut the whole thing down for the season, and that impacts Harvard, and of course, uh, the Kings prospect, a kid that they drafted this year at the 2020 NHL draft, Alex Lafiere, he is going to probably remain in the USHL because uh, he will not be doing his first year at Harvard. And uh, th- this whole quarantine thing and COVID is just wreaking havoc, obviously, uh, you know, uh, on the sports world and scheduling and games in Europe that are being canceled. And, you know, uh, it- it's a very tough situation. And we do uh, tip our cap to to all the leagues um, and the teams that are, you know, that are trying to maneuver on the fly and, and having to come up with solutions for problems that they've never experienced before, you know, in, in the history of all of these sports. Yeah, well, uh, you better get used to it, John, because I think that once we get to our season, the NHL season, we're going to probably have some a couple weeks on the back end for rescheduled games because I, I can't fathom that we go through an entire season. Look, there's not going to be bubbles, right? You're going to have positive tests. You're going to have games rescheduled. Um, so you're going to have to have a lot of patience to get through next season. But hopefully uh, we'll get to a point where they give out the Stanley Cup again. And I will just uh, give the latest and greatest update. And again, everything is uh, scheduled to change at any given, uh, you know, at any moment's notice there, DB. But uh, I was texting with some uh, high-ranking league executives just before we went on the air today to, you know, to get the the freshest scoop possible. And it does appear that the NHL is still, um, you know, I don't want to say hellbent, but uh, they are highly focused. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. They are highly focused on starting the season on January 1st, and teams yeah. are teams are on the lookout to begin their training camps in uh, the first part of December. little footnote there would be that, uh, from what I understand, the Kings still believe there's going to be a way to get Leas Anderson over here for training camp, and there was some question about that because of his contract status when the Rangers had assigned him over to play in Sweden. But uh, from all indications, the Kings believe that he will be able to come over and attend training camp which I think would be pretty interesting. Um, you have a, cu- a couple of other notes here to pass along, DB, to wrap up the first period. Berlin, which of course is where Aiden Dudas and uh, Ingham and Turcotte, uh, not Turcotte, excuse me, uh, Akil Thomas are playing. We had some of those guys on the program recently. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Berlin is playing a game this Friday. Um, they are be- they're going to play a-, a couple of games here in the month of November, so uh, be on the lookout. I'll be tweeting about that. And then also uh, Craig Johnson. I mentioned a couple uh, episodes ago. I don't remember exactly when it was DB, but I mentioned that uh, I was hearing that he is going to be the assistant coach for the Ontario Reign under uh, con- under coach uh, John Robleski. Uh, from from what I'm hearing, CJ is confirmed as the coach. There's a very specific reason, though, why he has not been announced yet. And I love these type of technicalities, DB. Uh, basically, if you are a coach right now under the current phase that they're in in the National Hockey League, you can't be on the ice with certain players. But if you're in the development program, you can. 
And so by keeping him in the development program for now, then, uh, which has been his role the last couple of years, he's able to go on the ice. And he is, he is, uh, from what I understand, on the ice at TSPC. They have a couple of different groups that are together. We've talked about that. Guys like Kaliev and Turcotte and so many of them um, are here in Los Angeles right now. And then guys like Kopitar and Brown and some of the NHL guys. Um, Sean Walker's here as well. Um, I just, a whole host of them um, have been training and and sort of getting in shape. And uh, hopefully we'll get some dates on training camp. And then the last thing, just to mention, DB, we do have another episode lined up after this one, and we will be talking about the new Kings jersey. There's a purple jersey coming out on Monday, DB. Who knew? You did, John. <laughs> You're all over it. Well, you if, if everything goes as planned, DB, uh, I will take a victory lap because this will make me a perfect, I think it's going to be 43-0 and 0 on uh, breaking the news on LA Kings jerseys over the last 10 years. So uh, it's a, it's a great-looking jersey uh, from, from what I've seen and understand, and uh, I'm excited for everybody to to see it. We, I, Lord knows that I've been tweeted enough and had enough comments on social media over the last couple of years. When are the Kings going to do a purple jersey? Uh, excuse me, forum blue and gold uh, jersey. Blue, so. For all of you that want the Forum Blue jersey back, here you go. It's going to be the reverse retro. And, DB, I don't know if you've been paying attention. I, you and I never really talked jerseys too much. I don't know if you're a, a jersey honk, but uh, I don't know if you're looking around the league, but some of these jerseys are looking pretty nice that are going to be part of the reverse retro. Not all of them, but some of them are looking really, really nice. I think the Dallas one, I think they were the first one to come with the fluorescent green. That looks pretty cool. But, yeah, I think it's it's not – look, it's not for everybody. It's not different. And not all 31 designs – are going to be great, but I think it's fun. It's fun, and we got to have fun. It just should be there should be more fun this league. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the debut of all of them. Like you said, like you're on top of the jerseys every year. Uh, when there's ever a change in jersey or New Jersey, uh, you're on it. So you you definitely uh, knew that. At DB, I think um, if if I understand things correctly, I think that that uh, neon jersey is. Um, not part of the ret- retro collection. I think that's another jersey that the Dallas Stars ended up putting out. Kind of like oh. Vegas. Vegas introduced their gold jersey, and that's not part of this. Yeah. So their reverse right, retro right, is right. paying paying homage to uh, the Las Vegas Thunder. So yeah, I think they're doing a uh, a throwback to the North Stars or something. If I remember correctly, I'd have to go back and check my notes. So, so, so Jonathan, to your jersey honk, what do you think of the Henderson Silver Knights jersey? Um, I, I well, here's the thing. It it just I don't like the fact that it has gold on it because it it's a it's a I get it right they're part of the Golden Knights family so yeah, I get right, it but right, right, right. they're the Henderson Silver Knights and this is one of the things I pointed out God a year ago when we talked about the the, the name of the team and I said well what are they going to do with the jerseys and we started talking about it um, I I they can't they couldn't go with a black silver and white jersey they look like the Ontario Rain right so they had to do something right. different so I get it that they incorporated the gold of their parent club. But, um, you know, eh, I mean, look, if you here's the thing. If you like the Vegas Golden Knights jersey, then you're going to like the Henderson Silver Knights jersey. Right. If you don't like it, then you're not going to like it. It's, it's, it's very much uh, in that same family. Um, for me, more importantly, I just like the fact that, uh, that Henderson has a team. They're getting a brand-new sprawling sure. facility. It's great for hockey on the West Coast. And uh, I'm, I'm probably more interested in seeing what's going to happen uh, over in – uh, um, I was going to say Phoenix because that was going to be the name of the team. The uh, the Palm Springs team, the Firebirds. Mm-hmm. Uh, more interested to see what's going to happen there because they've had some some uh, maneuverings there about the building, and it was going to be on one piece of land, and then no, it moved to another piece of land. And I'd like to get another team here in the AHL West. Oh, hey DB, I didn't mention this. Speaking of buildings, San Diego passed their uh, their ballot measure to get the new building 
they're in San Diego. Really? So they're going to replace, or the plans are, to replace the 400-year-old San Diego sports arena, uh, <laughs> which, by the way, fans, they did remodel that building a number of years ago. They remodeled the lower bowl and put in new seats. It's still, even though it's, you know, uh, a couple years younger than the, the Roman Coliseum, it still is a great place to see a hockey game. The lighting in there is beautiful, and, uh, you know, it is obviously an older building. I joke, but, I mean, it's a very old building, but um, it's still a great place to see a hockey game, and until the new building down there is built, I would encourage you to go see. And, DB, you've already agreed we're going to go to a, a goals rain game whenever that's allowed. Uh, we're going to take the train down to San Diego, and we're going to— Take the train. Yeah, and I think, I think Hammer wants to do that, Mike Hammer from Violent Gentleman, and— uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do like a, uh, a Kings of the Podcast road trip and, uh, you know, we'll get some group tickets and we'll get a bunch of listeners together and we can we can have a lot of fun on the train. Um, but, DB, I just I, I hope that the building ends up happening because for anybody who follows the local uh, political scene down in San Diego, it is crazy at times. And for years, I mean, probably decades there was infighting within city politicians regarding uh, old Jack Murphy Stadium, which was Qualcomm, which, you know, getting the Padres Stadium built. I still don't know how Petco was ever built, given the history of uh, all the infighting there. It, it happened, though. It, you know, it's a great ballpark, and, it, and it's really revitalized downtown. I hope that the same type of initiative and inertia can take place with uh, getting a new arena because it would be fantastic. A uh, real shot in the arm for that. I think they call it the Midway or the Mid-City District there in San Diego where the 8 and the 5 converge. And, uh, you know, put, put a new arena there and um, get some, you know, big-time touring acts that are in there. And San Diego is a, it's just a, a wonderful city, great people, and uh, it – they, they deserve to have first class, you know, sort of sports and entertainment. So I hope it all passes uh, or ends up happening. But at least the the measure passed, which was a, a, a big first step, I think, Dennis. This is the last minute. Yeah, yeah. And it, you're right. It's what they call America's finest city. I mean, the Chargers still should be there. But, uh, yeah, it's a gorgeous. I have friends that, that have uh, some real estate down there. And it's, it's fantastic. And, yeah, the fans deserve better. And hopefully this is the first step to get the better professional sport, better experience when you watch professional sports in San Diego. Yes, absolutely. And who knows, if they would have done this 10 years ago, maybe they could have somehow found a way to talk the Clippers into uh, moving moving back to San Diego instead of moving out of Staples and moving to Inglewood. But I digress. We can talk about that on a different show. Uh, DB, on the other side of the break, we have Andre Lee coming up in the second period and right behind him in the third it's period, David Rennick. And uh, we'll kick it all off after the break. Welcome back. Second period. Uh, joining us now, he was selected in the seventh round back at the NHL draft, and uh, he's coming off a stellar freshman year at UMass Lowell. They started, or they will start the season, I should say, uh, ranked number 11. We'll talk about all of that and more. Let's welcome him in from Sweden with love. It's Andre Lee. Dre, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Well, we're doing outstanding. Uh, you were one of the guys that really stood out at development camp a year ago, so uh, I've been meaning to reconnect with you. I, I know we've chatted a couple times via text and whatnot, but wanted to get you on the podcast to to talk about just your experience uh, of becoming an LA Kings prospect and sort of look ahead to next season. But but first off, look, I, I like the name Dre, right? I'm a Dr. Dre guy, former Dodgers outfielder, was Andre, or Andre Ethier. He was Dre when he was here, but... From what I hear, some of your uh, teammates, though, they call you Big Al. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Some of them call me Big Al. Some of them call me Dre. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with both. Yeah, well, 
Big Al might work because you certainly are big. Uh, six four, <laughs> six five. You stood. You, you towered over everybody else at camp last year. Byfield might give you a run for your money this year. But uh, what, what, what's the what's the official height coming in at these days? Uh, six four. Six four. All right. But yeah. They, but you're still growing. They tell me that you're still filling out. So so you might yeah, you might so- get a little bit bigger. Exactly, I'm still growing. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, let's let's talk about how how you sort of showed up on the Kings' radar. Now, from what I understand, Lowell uh, they scouted you, uh, you and maybe uh, Carl Berglund. They're the ones that sort of drove you guys to the USHL. That's where you started here in North America. Now, Ryan Johnson, Craig's son, he was also on that Sioux Falls team. Um, you guys won the Clark Cup, of course. We'll talk about that. The Kings tell me that Teddy Belial was the one who gets a lot of the credit for drafting you. He he scouted you quite a bit. Uh, and I, yep. remember, I remember, though, you told me that several NHL teams spoke with you, uh, but you felt that you had a connection with Teddy. And I think Craig Johnson might even know your dad. So connect all of these dots for us uh, just to get us started here. Yeah, so to start, um, you know, I think it was five years ago, um, something like that. Uh, I, so it's always been a dream to like come to USA to play USA hockey because my dad is American and, and I always felt like, you know, American hockey fit my style more. Um, so five years ago, I wanted to come over to play uh, high school hockey, like triple A or something like that. So I actually tried out for the Anaheim Ducks juniors or the triple A team for Anaheim Ducks. And that's where um, I met Craig. So my dad took contact with the coach for that team, and that um, at that time was Craig. So I came out and did a practice with them, and um, or I did a few practices with them. And then it was it was a vacation, and then I went home to Sweden, and I kind of thought about the decision if I should stay in Sweden or if I should go over to USA. And um, you know, I came across I was just better off staying in Sweden until um, I was ready for the USHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the journey from meeting Craig. And now the connection with Teddy though, because I remember at least you had told me at the time that there were a couple of other NHL teams that spoke to you prior to the draft. And you had talked about the fact that Teddy had talked to you right before the draft, maybe even the day of the draft and and just was checking in on you and seeing how you were feeling about life. Not really necessarily talking about the draft, but you had made the comment to me that you felt that you had a connection to Teddy. And I'm just curious what that, what that connection was or if, yeah, yeah. exactly. It felt like, um, you know, it was maybe, um, two to three weeks before the draft. Um, I spoke into, or I spoke to, a couple of different team, but you know, I felt that connection with him. You know, he talked to me nice and and um, was open about everything. So, like right when he called me, right that that conversation just made me feel like, yeah, um, it's a connection right there. So, I kind of had a thought of um, like getting drafted by them at that time, um, but yeah. You, you you honestly don't know until it happens until it happens. Yeah. And they made you wait long enough. I mean, you were waiting and you were waiting and you were waiting and then finally yeah. in, in the seventh round. Um let's talk about your family a little bit too. I mean, you're well traveled, right? Born in Sweden, but uh your yep. you mentioned your dad uh being American. Now from what I understand, your dad's a former bodyguard, is that right? Yeah, so it's uh all right. he uh, used to play basketball overseas in Europe and um then he hurt his knee and became a, a bodyguard. But he was not Craig Johnson's bodyguard. No, 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 no. Okay, good. Uh, and your mom, Margarita, is that right? 
yeah, Margarita. Okay, and she, she she's she she's traveled quite a bit with you and and stayed with you in the states. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. She um, lives in Minnesota right now. She's born in, uh, in 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 Italy, and my grandma is born in Sweden. So that's uh, how we ended up in Sweden. Now, I haven't checked your passport, but from what I understand, you do quite a bit of traveling. You visit your grandfather in Italy, your grandmother yep. you stay with in Sweden. So you're, you're all over the place. Well, you were pre-COVID when you were allowed to travel. Exactly. What do you enjoy about yeah. traveling besides eating in nice restaurants, from what I understand? No, I enjoy, like, you know, coming to Italy. It's a different culture, and it's, um, it's really hot in the summer. You know, you go, you go down to the beach. Just, um, I've been in Italy like every summer, except for this summer, you know, because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, but every summer since I, since I was born, um, so I made a lot of friends, um, over there, you know, it's, it's nice to go down there and see them and just spend time with them. Um, and you know, USA has always, I've, I've been visiting my dad when he lived in, um, Los Angeles. So, you know, coming there, you know, it's, it's warm all around the year, so it's 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 nice, you know. In Sweden, it gets really cold during the winter time, so we used to go there, and it felt like it was the summer, so it was nice. And it it had to happen. You had to be drafted by the LA Kings because back in 2012, I went back to my notes here, uh, Dre. So I, I remember these things that you told me. You told me that in 2012, you actually attended a Kings game, and it was I think yeah. it was Kings versus the Sharks uh, at the Staples exactly. Center. Yeah. So when you think exactly. back to that now, is it, is it kind of funny that when you went to that game, I mean, you, you were obviously much younger at that time. You went to the Staples Center. Do you even remember, what is that, eight years ago? Do you even remember beyond just going to the game and who played? Do you remember anything about that whole experience? Uh, I remember. I mean, I remember Staples Center, the arena they played in. And it was uh, me and my friends from back home in Sweden. It was me, my mom, and him and his mom. Um, you know, we both bought um, Kopitar jerseys. Um, well, wait a minute. You the, didn't tell me that. You bought a Kopitar jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the the yellow one with the crown um, on the chest. Really? Yeah, so I have, that, I have that back home in Sweden. Yeah, you don't fit into that anymore. <laughs> no. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So, yeah. so Kopitar, what, what, what drew you to Kopitar? Was it just the, the European connection, or was there something in particular that you liked about him? Yeah, you know, it was, um, I think... Um, when uh, it was the lockout, he came to Sweden to um, Mora. It's um, it's a team, and it was a team in SHL. They're mm-hmm. now in uh, Allsvenskan. So, you know, he had that visor that was um, that was uh, kind of black and black and gray. Mm-hmm. So that kind of drew drew some attention. And I was like, you know, we're here in LA, and I, I remember this player from back home. So, and I thought, I mean, he's a, he's a great hockey player and has a lot of skills. So. It was it was um, my favorite back then. Yeah, that Mora team was loaded. Gaspar Kopitar was also there, and then yeah. and then uh, yeah. Kopi uh, um, Anje he brought over Bobby Ryan as well to that team. Exactly. Yeah, they were stacked. I remember that during the lockout, of course. Um, yeah. Now we talked about your passport earlier. Uh, <laughs> quite the uh, quite the travel experience to get to development camp. So just to set the stage for everybody, you're uh, you're playing in the USHL. You end up winning the championship, which is obviously outstanding. It's a high point, right? And then you end up getting drafted in the seventh round. And then they say, "Hey, by the way, come on over to development camp." And things start out for you with a three hour bus ride prior to a nine hour plane ride. So it was a little bit of uh, planes, trains, and automobiles to get you over here. What what a what a long and winding road to get you to Los Angeles for development camp. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, it was actually after after we won the championships. I, I was still doing school from back home in Sweden. So we were. Um, so when I came back home to Sweden, I had to finish that, and I graduated from um, gymnasium in Sweden. And then right after that was the draft. So we had that three uh, the three hour long bus ride, and then when I came to the airport, I met um, Joan Sedergren mm-hmm. at the Restless Cupery. Mm-hmm. So I spent a little time to get to know them, and the fight wasn't actually that bad. I mean, I slept five hours, I think, something like that. So it went kind of fast. Really? Even though you're hyped up on adrenaline from all of that, you still can sleep. See, I'm a sleeper. I can sleep on a plane before the plane ever takes off. I, I, I go through security, I get on the plane, and I can fall asleep right away before the plane even takes off. But uh, yeah. I'm thinking you'd be hyped up on adrenaline, knowing that you're coming to Los Angeles, you're going to be development camp, you've just been drafted by an NHL team, but not you. You're calm, you're cool, you just lay your head back and take a nap, huh? Yeah, no, so, so um, you know, it was it was um, the seventh round, so it was pretty, pretty late, and you know, we're or we're actually nine hours um, ahead of LA, so you know it was, it was in the middle of the night when I was on the bus ride. I was pretty tired. You know, okay. I was looking on my phone for the whole night, um, and then when I came to the airport, I was really tired. So I was as soon as I got on the plane, we got up in the air. I ate a little food, and then I just passed out. Okay. Now, when eventually, when you met up with Kapari, he doesn't talk very much. He's a man of few words. I find. Did did he? Did Kapari have a lot to say, or was your experience the same as mine? He's just very low key. Um, I mean, you know, he's from Finland, and I feel like Sweden and Finland have this like way kind of connection. But like at the same time, I mean, he he talked. He uh, introduced himself, and hmm. um, yeah, it was it was fun to meet him at the airport. Okay. Um, now, another Swede, uh, Sammy Fagamo, he talked you up quite a bit at development camp, so I'm assuming that you guys connected basically because of your, your Swedish roots. Yeah, exactly. Um, Sam is a, a great guy. Um, I played against him in Sweden a couple times, uh, and then I got to know him like personally and at the development camp, so it was nice to get to know him. Do you, uh, did you watch the, the World Junior Championships at all last year? Yeah, I did. Okay, so you were watching Fagamo just just score at will and, and light up the lamp. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a tremendous player. I mean, his shot is unbelievable, and he's um, also a good skater and has a lot of skill. So I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't surprised because I saw him at the development camp and I saw what he could do and stuff like that. So. Okay. Um, I talked to a couple scouts prior to having you on, uh, doing my homework as I, as I like to do. And um, one of the things that several guys noted was that your skating has really improved from your draft year up until now. And so I'm assuming that that was something that people had told you needed some work uh, and or it was just something maybe that uh, some of your, your coaches had encouraged you to work on. Or was it something that you looked at and said, hey, look, if I ever want to make it to the next level, I'm really going to have to work on my skating. Yeah, no, I think it's um, it was. It was combined, you know, with me and and uh, the coaches telling me that um, I can improve my skating. And so when I came to Lowell, uh, we have the skating coach here that helped me a lot um, during the year last year. And also back in Sweden, you know, this summer, um, we went home pretty early. I think we were home in, in March or something like that. So I've been, I've been on the ice for the whole summer just working, skating and, and working on different things, but yeah, um, I think my my skating has improved from from my draft year, but it's it still can I can still improve it more. 
the thing that stood out the most for me at development camp was your hands in tight. I mean, you're, you're a big guy, as we talked about earlier. And a lot of times when people think about big players, they think about a power game. And there certainly is an element that, of that to your game. But your hands in tight, uh, really nice, really soft hands. Um, just wondering if that's something that you, you know, worked on as a younger player to develop, or was it just something maybe that came naturally to you? Um, I mean, I've, I've obviously worked on it, but uh, I think as a young player, I, I looked up to uh, Patrick Kane a lot too, and I saw he, he had tremendous hands, you know, the, all the shootouts goals and all his deeks, you know, stuff like that. But it was like when I, when I grew older, like when I got older, um, I started to work on it, you know, off ice and all, on ice, and I think I've improved on them, but still they can, I can still improve more, you know what I'm saying? Andre, I want to go back to your uh, Swedish upbringing. You know, there's uh, some prominent uh, NHL players. Come, you were born in Karlstad. Uh, Jonas Brodin, Oscar Kleffbaum, Joel Eriksson Ek. Have you had any interaction with those guys who are from your hometown? Yeah, so um, this summer, you know, I came home in March and we are, we're practicing um, for the summer. I'm with uh, Joel Eriksson Ek, um, Jonas Brodin, they're both in Minnesota, um, and then a couple other guys. So, it was fun, you know, to um, to get to skate with them and to kind of like see what they do and because they're on an NHL level. So you see what they do and try to learn the same thing, you know. But yeah, it was definitely helpful. So to give me more confidence skating with those guys saying, hey, I can compete with guys like Brodeen and, and Eric Zizek once you get to the NHL? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's always it's always good to skate with, um, you know, people from different leagues to to see um, where you are at in your game. And, you know, if you're able to compete with them, you know how it is on, on the NHL level. So I think it's very helpful, you know, during the summer to to be able to skate with people or players from different leagues. Andrew, what do you think is the biggest difference going from the USHL to uh, NCAA hockey play? Um, it's definitely more physical here in, um, in NCAA. I mean, um you know, in USHL, you're kind of more focused on the the offensive side, but still, like it's a lot, it's a lot of defense there too. But here in um, NCAA, it's more physical, and I feel like you got less time, even though it's the same size of the rink. But I feel like you got less time because people, you know, will run you over if you're if you're not if you're not having your head up or it's ready for it. But and also the speed of the game, you know. People have developed more. You know, you're playing against people that are um, that can be anywhere from um, 19 to <clears throat> 25 years old. So, but it's definitely, it's definitely. Um, I mean, it's definitely helpful, and you learn a lot to play against and play with people that are older with you. So. Now, when you started out in the USHL, one of the things that's interesting is that you had a goal in each of your first two games, and then you get to college, and you had a goal in each of your first two games. It was sort of like deja vu, where you're just thinking, okay, here we go again? <laughs> uh, no, not really. I mean, I know I had a pretty good start of the USHL season, but I'm just not trying to think of that. Um, I'm just trying to do everything I can do to help the team, and and then you know the, the goals and the points uh, will come along with that. And, um, I mean, yeah, it just happened the same, this, the same thing this year had a strong start. 
Well, I mean, you might not want to think about that USHL start, but I do. Uh, one of those one of those early goals was you know, there was about a minute left in regulation uh, against that stacked Team USA under eighteen development team that forced uh, oh. that forced overtime there. So that was a pretty big goal, especially oh, early yeah, on in yeah. the first couple of games. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was uh, that was nice. My my dad and my grandpa was on the stands there too, so it's nice to you know score a goal in front of them. Yeah, always always good to score in front of family. Um, yeah. And then just to, to round out sort of the USHL time, I think what a lot of people uh, will say was kind of your coming out party was um, how well you played in the postseason. I mean, you put up 11 points in 12 games on the way to the championship. And was there anything that you would credit that strong postseason to, or was it just sort of a build that throughout the year you, you, know, you gained confidence and you felt more comfortable and you also earned playing time uh, and, and, and the confidence of the coach? Or was there anything in particular that you know, led to such a strong postseason for you there? I think, um, you know, the team was very, very close to each other. It felt like, you know, everyone on the team was your brother. So just having just having those guys around you, um, you know, during all year. I mean, we made some trades and, and stuff like that. So we're not, we got some new players in. But I, I think, you know, the coach was, he, he found, you know, I found the chemistry with uh, two other guys in my, in my team called Sam Stevens and Blake Bride. And, you know, we're three different players and we just got along really good. And uh, we played in the postseason and we did good. But still, I want to credit the coach and, and the team because we were so close and everyone was pushing everyone. Mm-hmm. You hear that a lot, that uh, it's important for, you know, that chemistry. It, it, it's hard to it's hard to sort of get it. But when once once a team gets it, uh, you know, it, it really can propel them to such great things. I'm curious about your experience over in college, though. I mean, uh most of the time, freshmen don't burst onto the scene and have a major uh, a scene, that is, and have a major impact on a team. But you put up 20 points in 33 games last year. I mean, you had a, a solid uh, first start there with Lowell. Um, any, anything in particular, or is it just, again, back to the coaches and just, you know, sort of right place, right time type thing? Yeah, I, I mean, it was, you know, it kind of leads up to the play too, but... Um... I feel like it was a, a right place, right time too. You know, I found um, right in the start, I found um, two good players to play with and we worked pretty good, um, which, you know, um, helped like helped me to get uh, playing time and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, came, a co- or I came along with a coach pretty good. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's like the most valuable thing to find um, – you know, two guys that you have pretty good chemistry with and that you work along with. A little quick side note, the Kings also drafted another player headed over to your uh, your team this year, headed to Lowell, uh, Ben Meehan yeah. they drafted. Have you had a chance to connect with Ben at all and welcome him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've been here now for um, roughly two months. So, you know, it's it's uh, nice to get to know him. And it was uh, it was really fun to see that he got drafted by the Kings too. Uh, we talked a little, a little bit about it. Um, but yeah, it was really nice to see that. Oh, so he was already there uh, when he was drafted. Yeah, we were, um, you know, trying to trying to get ready for the season. Uh, we didn't have a start date by then, so you know, we were just working out, like working on skills and stuff. And then you know, the draft day came up, and he got drafted by the Kings. So I reached out to him right away because he was he he lives in Massachusetts, like twenty minutes from here, so he was home. But right. the next day, um, I met him and just like. Say congratulations! It's uh, really fun. 
Yeah, I wasn't sure if, uh, if if you guys had already been training together or not. Now, you guys, I know the season is getting ready to get started here, and you guys are ranked number 11. That's uh, That has to be a nice feeling coming in. But does that add a little bit of pressure? Because you guys uh, you know, weren't certainly a top 10 team coming into the year last year. Does it add some extra pressure coming into this season with the expectations being raised coming off of that you know good year that you guys were having last year? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I, I feel like we have a, a really good team coming in this year too. So, um, I don't feel any pressure right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> good. Play, <laughs> play loose. I like it. Um, yeah. how about this one? Uh, again, back to the research found out that, um, not only do you like to play basketball, but, uh, one of your other favorite things to do is to eat at nice restaurants. I mentioned that earlier, but, um, where, where did this, uh, I mean, I guess, where did you acquire this taste for, for eating at nice restaurants? It definitely started in Italy. <laughs> I would <You> know? imagine. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is, um, you know, nice pasta meals and, and pizza. It's uh, unbelievable down there. So eating in nice restaurants includes pizza? Yeah. Okay, good. Good to know. Sure. And when you were in Minnesota, um, you were a big Vikings fan. Is that right? Have you Have you made it out to a Patriots game now at all? Uh, no, I haven't. So it's a fun story. Um, you know, I got the opportunity to go to a Vikings game, but in in order for me to go, I had to wear a Vikings jersey. And I'm not I'm not that big of a Vikings fan. I am a Giants fan. Oh, so, um, but he told me that if you go, you have to wear the Stefan Diggs uh, jersey and and beanies. And I was like, I mean, it's it's a one time. <laughs> It was my first NFL game, so it was an awesome experience, and I couldn't say no, you know. Got it. Okay. Well, when I saw you all decked out with the gear on, I just assumed you were a big Vikings fan. But now, no, now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, now, yeah. no, you just you just were willing to dress up so that you could make it to the game. Yeah, he put a little pressure on me there. How did you become a Giants fan? So um, my grandpa is from Long Island, New York, and uh, it was um, I think it was some it was six or seven years ago when I first went to uh, New York, mm-hmm. we uh, drove past their stadium and my grandpa was like, all right, so this is uh, where the Giants plan or the Giants, the New York Giants play. And I want you to become a Giants fan. Um, and dad was in the car too. And he was like, no, no, no. He's, uh, he's becoming an Eagles fan because we're from Philly. <laughs> and then at that time I was just, I was new to, you know, NFL, but, I stick to um, the Giants still today. Wow. Okay. So easily influenced. All right. So then here's yeah. the deal. On the <laughs> baseball side, you have no choice. You need to become a Dodgers fan. It's not even open for discussion. Yeah. No, I, I uh, watched a little bit of baseball last year. I, I got into it um, more now, you know, during the quarantine uh, and um, the pandemic, you know. Yes. But yeah, um, Dodgers is uh, definitely the team that I'm going along with this year. Okay, good. So the next time we see you in Los Angeles, we expect to see you in a Dodger hat. Yeah, for sure. All right. Dre, it's been fantastic, or Big Al, uh, you know, whatever whatever people want to call you. Dre, it's been fun getting to know you a little bit more. I do remember you in development camp last year. We had we had some fun chats. Um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more throughout the season this year. Best of luck. Hey, keep this in mind as well. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being a seventh rounder, okay, because the, the, the Kings have done well in the seventh round. Nick Dowd made the NHL. Matt Roy made the NHL. Uh, Jordan Nolan made the NHL. So your yep. future looks bright. Uh, have some fun this year at Lowell, and um, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Kings of the Podcast. For sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
There you go. Andre Lee, a Kings prospect playing in college this season. You guys can keep track of him on mayorsmanner.com. We put out the weekly prospect tracker. He's someone to keep an eye on. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Okay, third period. We are back. Thank you to Andre Lee for joining us there in the second period. Moving right along, the next Kings prospect we'll be speaking with today, St. Cloud, Minnesota goalie, Kings draft pick, of course. I'm talking about David Rennick. Dave, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Well, First of all, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really exciting. This is my uh, podcast debut, so wow, I'm excited. <laughs> well, you know what's funny about your level of excitement, quite honestly, is there's, I'm I'm looking over the list of questions that we had prepared for you. We talked to a lot of your former teammates and scouts and coaches and stuff to you know get some background on you. And one of the things that kept coming up over and over again is that you're just like the happiest, most you know uh, uh, go lucky guy that they've ever been around. You're always positive, no matter. What what the situation uh somebody told me you have an infectious personality and they also told me that it's your attitude that uh makes you a leader on the team so there's a lot of pressure on you to deliver a great podcast performance here well, yeah i wow those are a lot, a lot of good things yes i you know first podcast in english language too so we'll we'll see yeah so. all right Really, really excited for this. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, let's talk about your journey. We'll, we, we'll get into, you know, all sorts of fun stuff today on the show, hopefully. Uh, but let's just talk about your journey a little bit um, because, you know, to, to, to just look at where you started, you weren't drafted the first year that you were eligible. And from what I understand, you were even hurt sort of your first year getting going here. Um, then when you played in Green Bay in the USHL, uh, there was a guy there who was drafted by Vegas probably. Uh, you had to fight for some playing time. What somebody told yep. me, though, was that, you know, you never lost track of just sort of where you wanted to be and what you wanted to do and that positive attitude that we spoke about and that some of those tough times um, you feel made you a better player. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. You know, like obviously every every player is like dreaming, you know, to get drafted. And, you know, after my first year, eligibility, you know, didn't happen. Then, you know, get to Green Bay. Obviously, I uh, my goalie partner was supposed to be like first round pick, and you know, so I had to we had to like fight for position basically every day, which you know I was really really lucky that that happened to me. It was like such a such a great experience, and you know, obviously after that year again didn't get drafted, so you know I was really happy that kind of uh, happened after you know, my first year in St. Cloud. So definitely great experiences. And, you know, I never want to, like, change not, none of those. So, uh, you know, it was great time in Green Bay, especially <laughs> I came to Green Bay and I barely could speak English. So those first six months, uh, I didn't really talk <laughs> to my teammates. And my favorite word was just yes. So <laughs> you, you, will, you will hear a lot of yes from my, from my mouth thing first six months so that was that was very interesting but uh yeah it was it was really good year so <laughs> well that could get you in trouble though just saying yes if you don't know what you're saying yes to so did you ever find yourself <laughs> I, I, I in a weird my... situation where you agreed to something that later you were thinking what the hell did i just agree to 
my, I know. I remember my village mom was like saying, "Oh, like David, you just agree with anything." Like I asked if this meal is going to be good for dinner, and you always said yes. Like I was just. <laughs> You just made my you just made things so much easier for me, yeah. So <laughs> that was the only word was was I was really good at. I remember my billet parents like uh, we were playing games with each other, you know, like to learn some more English words, and also like I was watching uh, cartoons for kids at the night, you know, with English subtitles on because you know it was like simple English, so uh, it was uh easy to learn so i remember i was just watching like spongebob madagascar and all <laughs> different like disney yeah. movies so yeah that was that was my first year in the u.s <laughs> hey david so they said like you're like patrick is that right is that your favorite character in spongebob oh uh, yes it is but actually uh, i'm going with penguins of madagascar those are okay those are the ones those are the ones yeah but spongebob is up definitely up there <laughs> When you transitioned into into going to St. Cloud, now you move from the USHL and going to a university, a university that has such a great hockey history. At the time, were you were you aware of the history that was there with the program, or was it something that you know the more time you spent on campus and you were around the program, then you really you you came to really understand how important that school is in the college hockey landscape? Well, you know, when I was going to USHL, I will never say that. I will ended up in a college in the USA, you know, and then when I get to the USA, I was, I was just like seeing all my teammates that are going to play college. So I was like, Oh, like that's probably like good, good thing to do. Like, then, then once I like understand it more, you know, it was just like great opportunity, like to move, you know, forward in, with my hockey career too. So I like started paying more attention and then obviously I was really lucky enough that uh, I had opportunity to go play for St. Cloud. The funny thing is when uh, I was calling, you know, with St. Cloud coaches, because of my English, they didn't really understand what school is calling me. So they were calling me and I just like remember the coach was saying they are going to play against Colorado College next weekend. So after after call, I was like, oh, like what school I was just talking to. So I Googled what team is going to play against Colorado College and it was St. Cloud. So I was like, oh, I just talked to St. Cloud State. <laughs> so after the call, I realized I called it St. Cloud State, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, he told you who they were playing. That could have turned out terrible if he just said we have a game this weekend and you would have had nothing to go off of. <laughs> I know, exactly, exactly. So thanks to thanks to Internet and, Go and Mr. Google. Yes, Mr. Google, of course. Um, I mean, your time in St. Cloud is a rather interesting one. You've seen a lot that has happened there. There was a coaching change, uh, you know, from being a number one ranked team. You guys go into the playoffs. Uh, it was some hard times there last year, though, a year of adjustment. Um, but a lot of people sort of credit you in, in, with, with keeping the team relevant and keeping them in a lot of games. Just how difficult was last year for you personally when you look back on it, considering that those couple years prior, you know, being number one ranked in the nation and everything were, were really high times for the program? Yeah, exactly. Like, I was really lucky that we for the teams what uh, we had here in St. Cloud, especially those first two years, you know, like we had great players. You guys probably know Blake was that, huh? So we've heard of him. So yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we we were really lucky with the players. What we had, like truly, you know, leaders and role models, and you know, it was just great that we could learn from them basically every day. And when 
I mentioned already Blake was that, you know, like I was really lucky enough that he was my roommate and, you know, those daily habits, what he had, like, transferred to most of us, you know. So we were really lucky that we had those kind of players those two years. And then, you know, coming into third year when we had, like, a really, really young team, uh, and I think, like, it was such a great learning experience because a lot of, like, older players, including me, uh, get into that year with, like, oh, like, this is the time for us, like, to step up. Like, we need to be, we need to be those guys who are going to lead. And I think that was, like, really big mistake. We just, like, we just put, like, so much pressure on ourselves, you know, on us older guys. Then it was just, it was just not good. And, uh, like, you, we were, we were making mistakes and we were just trying to do too much. So that was, that was definitely the hardest year, uh, for me as well and you know but it was like really really good experience just you know to stay stay positive and uh doing the right things every day control only things what you can control don't worry you know obviously numbers were not really good for the first half of the year so don't stop like worrying about it just trust the process and uh try to do as best as you can every do every day like work hard as much as you can so i think it was definitely like really really great learning experience that what happened to us last year and hopefully you know we can learn from it enough that we will have much better year this year so that's kind of how it was <laughs> yeah a lot of your teammates obviously are connected to the king's program we can talk about that throughout the show we did have blake lazat uh interestingly enough on the program just a couple of weeks ago and one of the things that really just comes through in talking to him was the level of confidence. He's not cocky. He's not arrogant. He just has such a inner belief that he's going to be a professional hockey player. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, being around him, being roommates with him, what was that like in that sort of confidence? Uh, was he just, was he like a machine? Was he on all the time in hockey mode or did he ever just sort of kick back and relax a little bit? Maybe he was watching cartoons with you. I don't know. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like he, you need to kind of help, you know, that, uh, and a mindset where you will be able to turn up your mind from hockey as well. You you know it's not it's not good for you if you just be like thinking about hockey all the time. But like hey, like living with Blake and uh, you know be with him every day like definitely drove uh, our other like his his our teammates you know to to be better you know like do things on 110% every day, do extra reps in the gym, you know, come, come first and leave last in, at the ring. You know, we were even like going to the ring Sundays, just like maybe we were not doing nothing crazy, but like go like hang out there, go to sauna or stretch. So definitely like he, he was really, really big role model. And the really like interesting thing is, you know, when you just like uh, talking about this, great leaders like they are they are really good people as well like they're he's like such a good like human being you know treat everyone the same way no matter what and i think that that's the most important thing like you need to be you need to be good human first and i think from that it's everything everything kind of goes so i yeah we were we were really lucky to to definitely have him 
All right, so let's put your 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 positivity to the test here. You talk about leaders. Um, there's another leader in the Kings prospect pool, happened to be on the other side of a, of a big goal, Mikey Anderson, Minnesota Duluth. I'm talking about 2019, the frozen faceoff, of course. You guys are number one ranked in the country, uh, and you guys end up losing that game. Just uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. how do you how did you maintain that that positivity, you know, coming off of really what was, uh, you know, a, a real big loss for you and for the program? Oh, I remember that goal was he scored on me. That was actually that was a blast. He was like a clapper, right, right to high glove. So <laughs> that was a nice goal. But like, yeah, it was it was it was disappointing. And I would say both those years, you know, we were going, we were we were number one team ranked, and you know, it all of a sudden came to the playoff and uh, didn't didn't really work out and. I think the one of the mistakes what we were really doing is uh, we kind of like stopped being ourselves when it when it came to the big games. I don't know why. It's just like when it came to the big games, both those years we were just like trying to we were just trying like so hard and you know we were trying to be perfect and all of a sudden you know it it didn't work out. But uh, for sure for for every one of us it it was definitely something you know what we what we could learn and definitely something was uh, can move us forward as well. So, so it was definitely like great, great experience for sure. Now the Kings, um, they might've missed out on somebody because St. Cloud is for, for so many years now has been like a feeder system. It's been like a minor league affiliate <laughs> to the Kings. I mean, from, from Brodzy and Lazat and you and Mikey Isimont, uh, they didn't yeah, draft anybody. Yeah, they're like Brooks Burge as well. Oh, there you go. There you go. Him too. Yeah. So, but then they didn't, they didn't draft anybody from St. Cloud or anybody that's even committed to St. Cloud. They didn't sign any free agents. So, so who did they miss out on? Who do we need to be keeping an eye on at St. Cloud right now? Oh, well, good question. I mean, obviously very, very good, very good players here. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we will be good enough that, uh, there could be, there could be a couple. So you know, I don't want to. I don't want to bring names, but uh, okay. hopefully, you know, after after the season, there 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 could be definitely be some guys who who make make their way to California. You know, Dave. Uh, for people that don't know, you're from Slovakia, and uh, although there are some legendary players that are from Slovakia, like uh, Marian Hosa and Zdeno Char, there's an LA connection because your childhood idol was none other than Peter Budai. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Peter Budai, also Marion Gabrick, I think he he played big role when they won a Stanley Cup as well. But like when we were talking about Peter Budai, I remember he was uh he's uh he was really my role model, you know, when uh when I started to be a goalie. He was I think he was the only Slovakian goalie in the NHL back in the time when I started to be goalie. So uh, I was lucky enough that uh, last summer he like gave me a call and we we had like really really nice chat. So uh, he's just he's just like a really nice guy. And again, it goes it goes to that you know you need to be you need to be a good human being. And he's like really role model as well. So definitely proud that uh, he's from Slovakia and he left some mark in in LA. 
Now, before we uh, move too far along here, I need to ask you about a couple non-hockey things. From what I understand, you won a raffle and picked up a free karate lesson there in St. Cloud before the pandemic hit. What's the what's the story there? Oh, you got some insider. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do I do my research. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. So, me and my uh, we were in one of the restaurants, and there was a like a signing sheet that. You can re- you can win a free karate lesson for a month. So so three of us so three of us were just like ah like we, we can sign up just to see how 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 it will play out. And all of a sudden we get a call like week later that we want a free karate lesson for a month. So it was three three uh, two other roommates that I'm living with. Yeah, so we went. We made it to karate, and uh, you know it was great. We probably won because no one, no others signed up. So <laughs> I think, I think that was the reason. But hey, don't don't mess with me. I can just tell you that you never know after this karate lesson. That's never right. know. All right, uh, you're a man of you're a man of many hats. A cartoon wearing karate swinging goaltender. I like it. That's great. Now, um, Go- now- goalies are different. That's why. <laughs> oh, believe me, we know. Yes, it's very true. Very true. Now, um, I don't know if I want to share this photo with everybody or not, but uh, I am looking at a Halloween photo of you here, and you're wearing all denim. Now. I'm thinking this is like I don't know Orange Cassidy maybe from AEW maybe it's a it's some sort of a um, a tribute to Urban Cowboy I, I don't know what's going on here but you're wearing three different colors of denim which is hard enough to pull off what's the story here of you in the all denim Halloween costume what am I looking at here Oh it was just uh, so every basically every class like had to had to pick up a theme for a Halloween party so I remember I think Drew. Uh, uh, Juniors had like bathrobes on everyone. Uh, sophomores were like referees, and we were just like a uh, jean boys. So not, so nothing, nothing, nothing really special. We were just, uh, you know, loud jeans, loud denim. It's, that, that's all. That's all. That's all about it. I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to tweet this photo out uh, to to tease your appearance and let everybody know this is the guy who's coming up on the next Kings of the Podcast. We'll see if people know who this is. <laughs> you look like a Gap model. Maybe that's what it is. Um, oh yeah, you know some European look a little bit. <laughs> well, you're gonna make Adrian Kempe jealous. Stop it. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? Here, just uh, I'll jump ahead on my list of questions. Speaking of uh, of Kempe, from what I understand, you're a soccer guy. Man United, uh, Man U. That's your team, right? Yes, exactly. Big big soccer guy. Actually, today. Uh, there was a big game, uh, Slovakia against Northern Ireland, and Slovakia won and made it to uh, European Cup uh, European, next yeah. next summer. So, so that's a uh, so big celebration over in Slovakia. Well, I would today. imagine that you um, are at least pretty happy that you're not you don't have a defender like uh, Harry Maguire playing in front of you, though, right? Oh, really? <laughs> are you are you, are you guys watching soccer? Are you guys big fan of soccer? Uh, no, actually, wasn't, I, I, wasn't Zlatan Ibrahimovic was it. playing in LA? Who? Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Zlatan. Oh no, yes. No, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, was he? I'm not sure. The guy with the galaxy. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I um I went and saw a couple games last year. I went to LAFC. 
And uh, one of the games, yes, was LAFC against the Galaxy. So um, I, I don't understand soccer. I don't get it. it, it I don't know. I, I try. I, I, I've been to a few events. Right, here's one for you. I went to the, uh, the bronze medal game of the 2008 Olympics, the soccer game in uh, China. And that was, who was that? That was Belgium against uh, Brazil. Kaka was the wow. guy on uh, Brazil. Yeah. Everybody was wearing their jerseys. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I try. I try to understand it. People try to tell me that soccer is like hockey, and I, I just I, I vehemently disagree with that. <laughs> well, it kind of is when you actually – well, it's probably hard for you when you don't understand soccer. You need to first understand it, I think. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. But, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I, since I, when I came to the U.S., I became a football guy, too. Big, I'm a big Packer fan. Big Packers uh, fan, really? Big Packers yeah. fan, there you go. <laughs> All right. Have you have you been to a game there yet? Uh so yeah, when I came to the US, I like had I just had no idea about American football. And my bills right. actually were season ticket holders for Green Bay. So, you know, they, they brought me to the first home opener. Oh wow. I think they were playing against uh Detroit. And I think that was it was really, really cool. Yeah. So that's how basically I became a a Packer fan. I just had no idea about football before, and all of a sudden, you know, they brought me to Lambeau Field, and it was just so cool. So, did you tailgate? Yeah. Did you do the whole experience? Oh uh, yeah, we did. We did a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. It is actually like I I never like thought of it like how big sport it is here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's 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 awesome. So I'm I'm enjoying watching that. Well, when you come to LA, you can take me to a soccer game, and you can try to explain it to me then, and maybe I'll maybe I'll get it at that point. Um, Definitely, that sounds like a deal. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, back to back to Mikey Easymont for a second. You're, you talk about being a good human and a good nice person. Uh, in talking to Mikey, what he told me was that one time uh, you were going back home, and he asked you to bring him a Slovakian T-shirt back, and that you basically bought him brought him a full wardrobe, and that's what he was wearing then for the next semester. He was like Team Slovakia from that point forward. That's that's a nice thing for you to do. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I was just trying to bring a you know little, little culture from Slovakia to here. I uh, I'm bringing like guys like special candies every time when I go home, so you know I, they they like it and you know, I it's just like because like for me you know when I was coming to Saint Cloud and basically had no idea about how school is going to work and and stuff I was just everyone was just ready to help me right away with with no without questions you know I didn't even need to ask anything and everyone was just ready to help me so. I was so lucky that, you know, how people were treating me, like, here in St. Cloud, and the culture here, what, uh, what coaches and previous guys, like, created here, like, it's really special. So, you know, then you kind of want to, uh, you know, give guys something back, and I was not sure if I'll be able to help them with homework, so I just decided to start bringing them things from Slovakia. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we should have timed this uh, podcast then to be, you know, I know that you were back home for a while before you uh, before you ended up back at school. So we should have timed this to make sure that we had some good gifts. You could have brought us some some of those delicious candies uh, for coming on the podcast, <laughs> making your debut. 
I, I exactly, yeah. Hopefully, hey, mate, there's always there's always gonna be next time. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're, you're already booking a second appearance. This is fantastic. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just no, you're gold, man. We're gonna have to have you on again. Uh, we didn't even we didn't even talk about the fact that you're into mountain biking. I was gonna try to connect you with Alex Iafalo. He's a big outdoors guy, and uh, maybe maybe you guys could go mountain biking together. Oh wow! Yeah, I would love to cycling. Cycling and biking in Slovakia is like it's really big. We are having a he was a three time world champion in cyclists in a row. Peter Sagan on the he like won multiple like green jerseys on Tour de France. So like cycling in Slovakia is probably after hockey and soccer definitely the biggest thing. So I just I'm just like really enjoying it, you know, just to go go out and you know kind of turn up my mind from everything just bike around in a in a nice nature and i'm lucky that Slovakia has a like a lot of mountains and Mm -hmm. stuff so it's definitely like great things you know i'm really like enjoying it too i always like go out with my best friend from home and just you know go go biking for a couple hours and it is just i just found it like so relaxing so i'm i'm really like enjoying doing that so I have two more questions here, and you can pick which one you want to answer. Um, either how closely do you track guys like Perrick and Valalta and Ingham and some of the other goalies in the in the in the pipeline, um, or talk about maybe what the expectations are for this season coming up in St. Cloud? Uh, I can kind of like mix it into what answer, I guess. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so uh, I, you know, like uh, since this quarantine and Corona situation was going on. We've been having like a goalie prospects uh, uh, Zoom calls on a regular basis, and like it's been it's been awesome, you know, because like usually you just meet these guys in devil, especially for me when as a college guy I can't come to training camp, I just can go to development camp, and uh, you know with these like regular Zoom calls, you know you really get to know them like much much more. I feel like, and it's been it's been awesome. Like uh, conversations, what we are, you know, having on those Zoom calls, talking about uh, goaltending and, you know, hockey with uh, Matt Miller and coach uh, Bill Ranford. So definitely that was that was great uh, experience, you know, get get to know them all and, you know, how, see like how they are doing and stuff. So that's been great. And uh, yeah, this is a uh, this is going to be hopefully a really good year. And one thing what I've learned from especially from last year, you know, when I was, like, putting so much pressure on myself and having, like, really, really high expectations. Like, this year, I I don't want to kind of, like, do it. I don't want to have, like, those high expectations. Obviously, I you know, you want to do your best. But really, what you can control is, like, your attitude and, you know, work ethic, what you're going to have each day. So I just feel like, you know, I want to... I just want to focus on those two things and, you know, hopefully then, uh, you know, good games and that kind of stuff will just, will just happen by doing the right things each day. So we are, we are, we are very excited for the season and especially that we are going to the bubble where we will have 10 games in uh, 20 days. It's going to be first time in my hockey career where I will kind of experience to have that pro schedule. So we are we are very exciting and can't wait to have finally like some games after a long time. So super super excited for that. 
Well, I have a big feeling that after listening to this interview, Kings fans are going to be tuning in. Of course, St. Cloud State, the season starts on December 1st. The big game that I have circled is uh, on 12-12, going up against number one ranked North Dakota. Of course, the former al- or the alma mater for uh, guys like Matt Green, etc. But uh, some of those games are going to be televised. People can watch them. And um, like I said, I'm sure after listening to this interview, pe- uh, Kings fans are going to be interested in, in ke- keeping up with you. And uh, I look forward to talking to you throughout the season. And uh, we will definitely have to have you back for a second visit to Kings of the Podcast. You you, you passed with flying colors. <laughs> what, what grade did I get? What uh, do you think? I, I'm going to go A-. minus. How about that? Oh, Hey, take it any day, any day. <laughs> You're outstanding. There you go. Uh, David Rennick, he's the uh, goaltender at St. Cloud. We'll be back and uh, we'll wrap things up here on Kings of the Podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, DB. So that's going to do it for another episode of Kings of the Podcast. I don't even know how he would top that. What a fantastic guest there in David Rennick. A minus, man? Wow, you're a tough creator, bro. Hey, come on. Hey, what a, what well, a great, authentic like kid, like everybody should be that happy. I wish every hockey player we covered had the attitude of Dave, but he was fantastic. And yeah, at some point we're gonna get back on. But it was it was so much fun. You see the joy he's had. I mean, what a great story. He comes from Slovakia, he goes to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah. Like watches cartoons on TV, learns the language, but just a, just a great unexpected pleasure to talk to this kid. Well, we had a lot of fun on this episode, and uh, for all the listeners, hopefully we delivered on our promise in the first period. We gave you two late-round draft picks that uh, you would thoroughly enjoy. Andre Lee was awesome. David Rennick was great. And uh, DB, we will be back soon with another episode of Kings of the Podcast. I'll even go ahead and tease it now. It'll be coming out in the next couple of days, and it will feature a major executive from the LA Kings organization. We will leave you with that, folks. Talk to you soon. at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply.